0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Morning. Morning. I hope you're doing good this morning because I am doing wonderful. I'm doing awesome. Just excited to be here. Excited to close out this series uh, this morning. I think it's been a good one. Um, I think it's been, you know, not that uh, every series is my favorite series, but this really has been one of my uh, favorite things we've done. If, you, uh, if this is your first time checking us out, let uh, me encourage you. If, uh, if today sounds interesting to you, go online to verticalchurch.tv. You can check out the whole series. Uh, we've been talking about how to live 2017 like a boss, how to make it your best year ever. And today we're closing out that series. Uh, just like Pastor Brian said, next week, next Sunday, we kick off a brand new talk on relationships called Relationship Restart. And um, and I don't want to get too aggressive with you, but take invite cards with you today. There's no need for us to have any after uh, today because the series starts next Sunday. So take those with you, uh, give them out to people, pass them out, drop them at somebody's desk. You know, we have this one lady that attends our church. Um, her her supervisor just continually left these cards on her desk. And eventually uh, she was like, well, I, I guess I'll go. And she came and she found a, a home and and, uh, and it's been awesome. So uh, next week that kicks off. But today's a really important day. Today may be my favorite message in the whole series. Uh, today may be the, the one that really I think um, it might be more important than anything we've said. Now, let me give you a little recap. Uh, we said week one uh, that we have to understand that life is not a project but a process. Uh, we're on a journey. Uh, this isn't about hitting some destination or some completion line. This is about... Uh, inviting God into the process and understanding that life is a process, the season is a process, and, and I'm in process, which means if I fail, not a big deal. I'm in process. I get back up. I keep on going. The only way that we fail is if we stop growing, if we stop taking steps. And so said so life is a, is a process, not a project. And in the second week, we said it's not about achieving it's about receiving, that, that we've got to receive before we achieve. The way we kind of put it is you've got to get the E before the I, like the the, the grammar rule, uh, I before E, except after C. You've got the, the way the world works is that you achieve and then you receive the, the reward. But because of Jesus, because of Christ, because of the E and the I and the C, you've got to put the, the E before the I And because we've got Jesus. and Anyway, there was a really good message It's online Not last week. Last week was really like part one of today, but you don't need to have been here last week to understand, because I'll catch you up. Last week we said, it's not a competition, it's a calling. Life is not a competition. We're not competing against one another to see who can earn God's love or to see who can who can go further and faster. In fact, we said that God has given us each, these aren't the words we used, but these are the words I'm going to use today, God has given us each a race to run and it's not it's not my race compared to your race that's not the deal and we're not competing with one another we're running the race god has given us to run and so it's not a competition it's a calling through the whole series we've been focusing really on two verses two verses in colossians chapter Two verses 6 and 7. And I challenged you to memorize it. And you still listen. The series is ending today, but if you haven't memorized it, it's still a good thing to memorize. It's good to to memorize scripture, to hide that word in your heart. I didn't give anybody a chance last week, so I want to see if anybody wants to take the opportunity and see if they have memorized uh, verses six and seven of Colossians two. Any any takers? I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, run you over today because people last week were like you didn't even offer, and so I was like, sorry, didn't know. Anybody want to take it up? All right, we got one person. John, is that you? All right, stand up and come down. Give it up for John Schaefer. If you stand close enough to me, my mic will should pick my mic should pick you up, maybe. I don't know. Alright, let's give it a test. Alright, uh, so go ahead and put it on the screen so they can so you can judge it. <laughs> Sorry, man. All right. Uh, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in Him, in the way that you were taught. And Overflowing with thankfulness. Give it up. Right on. Good deal. So John memorized it. What's your problem? Right? Um, we, we kept on going. Uh, we picked up, uh, we, we went on from verse 7 to verse 8. See to it. Uh, See to it then that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. We talked about that, how a lot of the way the world works is a, is a, a hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And then last week, this is what we zeroed in on. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you and I have been brought... To fullness, which means it's not a competition, it's a calling. We're living in fullness. We don't we we don't live, we have nothing to prove because we have been filled, those of us who are following Jesus, who have surrendered our lives to Him, we have been filled with Christ, so we don't have anything to prove because we've already been approved by God. We've already been accepted by God. So we said it's not about what you do as much as it is about being faithful with what you've been. It's not about what you do. It's about being faithful. And so it's, it's realizing, you know, I am fully called, fully chosen, fully and uniquely purposed to do the thing God has called me to do because it's not a competition. It's a calling. And so I want to talk about that a little bit more today. I want to talk about calling. What is a calling? What does that look like? Why do we use that word? And and there's just a lot of misconception about about that idea of being called by God. So I just want to take today and, and talk about it. So if you would, just join me real quickly. Let's pray one more time, and then we will jump into week four of Like a Boss called Would If I Could. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be here today. Uh, we invite your presence not to uh, just, not to, not to kind of... Um, quiet down, but we invite you to continue speaking to us. You spoke to us through worship as we invited your presence into our lives, into this room. Uh, We invited the weight of your presence to rest among us, and so today we now invite our ears to be open, our hearts to be ready uh, to receive what you would have us hear. God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth may be the words that you would speak Uh, Into the darkness of our lives to shine light and to shine your spirit into us that we may uh, receive and be filled with more fullness in Christ. We love you, Jesus. We pray it all in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This week, actually, a few days ago, I posted on Facebook a question. And I'm going to go ahead and show you that question right now. I posted this I said, What good would you do in the world if you had perfect circumstances? what good would you do in the world if you had perfect circumstances? And I and, and I commented, I said, well, perfect circumstances, let me define that. That means unlimited resources. Money was not an object. It wasn't a. It wasn't a uh, an obstacle that you had to overcome. Uh, we said, what are perfect circumstances? Well, maybe for some of us, that's a, a change in our DNA, our genetics. Like some of us to do the good that we would, we need to be taller or stronger or smarter, whatever. Uh, a change in DNA, if we had perfect DNA. Said if if you had total freedom, you didn't have a boss, you didn't have anybody telling you when to show up, what to do, what good would you do? Uh, we said, you know, if 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 everything was perfect, if you were the master of discipline and you had self-control. For some of you, if you weren't living with the person sitting beside of you, might be... Perfect. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's for next week. That's what we're talking about next week, relationship restart. Um, but here's the reality. You don't have perfect circumstances. What good would you do in the world if you had perfect circumstances? Well, you don't, and I don't either. And because we don't have perfect circumstances, what I've discovered a lot of times, here's what we do. Um, we, we grade ourselves based on our intentions but then completely uh, uh, let go of any real action. And, and here's how it goes, right? And you've heard this as well as I've heard this. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I would if I could. Man, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And we carry this attitude with us into, into so many things in our lives. Like, like well, I would, I would come and pick you up and take you to the airport if I could, but I can't. So good luck finding another ride, you know? Like, I would if I could, but I can't. I don't have the ability, so I won't. That's a terrible way to live. <laughs> I would if I could, but I can't. So I won't. I heard this quote by a guy named Chuck Swindoll. Sometimes you, you hear him on the radio and I was driving around and surfing through the, the radio and because and, my phone dies like every five minutes, but that's, that's not really any of your business. But anyway, I heard this quote by Chuck Swindoll and it goes like this. Look at this on the screen. Uh, he is like blew my mind. He said, if you cannot do the good that you would, do the good that you can well, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. He says, well, if you find yourself that you can't do the good that you would, do the good that you can. And that's a life-altering idea. Like that is a that is a life-shifting perspective in, in, in what you do. So that actually leads us into our fourth secret. Uh, Our fourth secret in how to live like a boss is kind of based on that quote, and it goes like this, and we can put it on the screen. It goes like this. It's not about what you would. It's about what you can. Well, I would if I could. Well, you can't. So it's not about what you would. It's about what you can. It's about, and we've said this over and over, and I've preached different kinds of messages on this. Start with what you have. Start with what's in your hands. Start with what's in your house. Start with what's in your bag. This is always how the process of discovering your calling begins. It, it begins not with what you would do if you had perfect circumstances, but what you can do right here and right now. I remember when I was a um, 17 years old. I tell this story in ownership class. Another ownership plug. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but um, if you come to ownership class, you hear the whole story. Uh, I was 17 years old when I felt like God was calling me to preach. Calling me to speak, calling me to teach in front of people, and um, and I went home and I, and I told my pastor. I said, Pastor Pastor Hartwell, because we called him back at that time, like we pastor last name, none of this pastor first name stuff, or even just the first name. Anyway, we ca- I called him Pastor Hartwell. I said, Pastor Hartwell, um, I feel like God's calling me to preach, and he's like, man, that's awesome. Let's do this, and he put me up on a Sunday night to preach in big church. And I was 17 years old, and it was horrible, y'all. It was the worst sermon you will ever hear in your life, and I hope you never hear it. Because if you do, it's just highly embarrassing. And i tell you why at ownership class, but we're not going to go into that. But what happened after the fact was really the, the bigger deal. Afterwards, I went to my pastor, and we were talking about it, and I said, you know, all right, what do I do now? You know, do I need to, do I need to start booking other churches and go on revivals and become an evangelist? He said, well, here's what I want you to do. I've got three boys who need a teacher on Wednesday night. They're 11 and 12 years old. Can you do that? It wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I said yes. And for the next 10 months, every Wednesday night, I got together with these three, sometimes two, sometimes four, uh, tweens, right? Like, like preteens, uh, t- 10, 11, 12 years old. And we just, we just sat down in a little classroom in the second floor of Vernonville Church of God. And we just opened the Bible and read the Bible together, and and I said, here's what I think it says. Here's what I think God would have you do. Here's how I think you can apply that to your life as a 10-year-old, as an 11-year-old, as a 12-year-old. And I don't know that those boys ever would remember today anything that I said. Shoot, I don't even remember anything I said up there with them. But I just know that in my life, it wasn't about what I would do. It was about what I can do right here and right now. A lot of times I'll, I'll talk to people and they're like, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? How, how can I discover God's call on my life? How can I discover my purpose? You know, I don't know what is God saying to me. Is it even God or is it just me? Is it, is it my dream or is it his? And so I want today to kind of uh, demystify some of the idea of calling. Uh, to to kind of uh, peel the, 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 the layers of the onion off and kind of jump down. And so what I want to do is I want you to write these three things down. We're going to do three misconceptions about calling and write this stuff down and here's why because you're going to come to a day where you got a big decision to make and you're going to you're going to sit there and you're going to think man I really wish I could remember what that preacher said because I don't know what to do now and what's going to happen is you're going to end up in jail in Mexico City because you didn't write these things down and you're going to be I wish I would have written these down and I'm trying to save your life so write these three things down okay here's the number one that's probably not going to happen but anyway here's number 1 your calling is not passive it's active it's not passive it's active your 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 calling isn't going to fall and hit you on top of the head like an apple falling from a tree it's it's not passive it's active now last week we we talked about and even t- 2 weeks ago we talked about achieving and we said it's not a competition now the danger in that, and there's a danger, there's a dark side to that reality that it's not a competition, it's a calling. And the danger is this that you and I would forfeit our participation in God's plan that we would that we would take this position of well since it's not a competition, that I can just relax and be lazy and I don't really have to, I don't really have to push myself, I don't really have to, to to take a step forward because I'm already called, I'm already loved, I'm already fulfilled in Christ. So I can just take it easy. But the more aware you are, of God's love, the more aware you are of the fullness and the, and the purpose that you've received in God, the more important, not the, not the less important, the more important each and every decision that you make becomes. Because here's the thing, you have a race to run and it's not, it's not a, in a competition with somebody else's race, but it is your race. And while that gives you a sense of relief, well, I'm not competing against anybody else. It also should give you a sense of responsibility. This is my race to run. If I don't run my race, then there's something in the kingdom of God that is lacking because I have not stepped into my fullness, into my potential, into my calling. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, it's the very beginning of the Old Testament. Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then Judges. Judges chapter 6, if you have a Bible, that's cool. If not, like everything else be on the screen, the, the scriptures will be on the screen too. Uh, we'll look at a guy named Gideon who who experienced uh, the, the, the the voice of God calling him to something great. And, and I'm not going to kind of go over the whole context of Judges. It's a real interesting uh, read if you get a chance to read through it. Um, it. It's this cycle of God's people pursuing God and then, and then falling back. And, and there's a couple of phrases in there. A couple of times it repeats and says, you know, everybody did right in their own eyes. They did whatever seemed right to them, which kind of describes sometimes the world that we live in. Everybody's kind of doing uh, what they, they feel is right for them. And, and, and we see kind of where that goes. But in this story, we've got Gideon, and, and at this point, God's people are being oppressed uh, by the Midianites. Uh, the Midianites were a group of people who would raid villages in, in, in Israel. They would go in, and they would raid, and they would steal the food, and they would steal their livestock, and they would uh, burn their houses down, and, and, and it was driving God's people crazy. And so this is what happens, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Ophrah. Oh, no, she's been around for a long time. Um, I planned that joke all week. I thought for sure that would go over better. But anyway, it's cool. Uh, anyway, sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the abs- however you say his name, where, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, Everybody knows, right, that you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You don't know that. I didn't know that either because I don't know what threshing wheat is. Let me explain this to you. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, a wine press is basically kind of like a big giant hole in the ground, okay? You didn't thresh wheat in a wine press because when you threshed wheat, what you did is you went up to a high place like a hillside or a mountaintop and you took the wheat and you took your your tool and you would throw it up in the air and the wind at the top of this mountain would come and blow the chaff off and away from the wheat. The wheat would settle. The chaff would go blowing in the wind and what was left on the ground was good wheat. Now, if you're threshing wheat in a wine press, you are missing out on the benefits that you get from elevation and from the wind so you're working really hard but you're not making any progress and and what is going on is that fear of his enemy is causing Gideon to forfeit an advantageous position that was rightfully his now i'll let you do with that what you want because we're not focusing on that today but but don't miss that he's giving up the advantage because he's afraid of the enemy. Look what happens. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, you manly man. You, you stud of a man who's threshing wheat in a wine press because you're scared of the Midianites. Right? It's interesting, right? God, God calls Gideon a name that does not correspond with his current activity which sometimes is what God does to us because God sees you differently than you see you. Gideon is in a place of fear right now, but God's voice comes to him. God reveals himself to him to eventually draw him out of where he is and bring him into his purpose, into his calling. Well, look at what Gideon says after that. Verse 13, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, because he's real polite. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Obviously, Gideon did not agree with God's assessment of him. (laughs) I'm not a mighty warrior. Look what's going on. And the Lord says to him in verse 14, Go in the strength you have. If you have a physical Bible with you or if you're reading on your phone, highlight, underline, circle, star, Whatever you got to do, make sure you, you, you note that phrase. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So what happens is Gideon gives God a cop out and God gives Gideon a command, which is exactly what happens every time in our lives. We tell God, well, God, I would if I could, but I can't. And then God issues us. A command. God doesn't even respond to his excuses. God doesn't even refute it. He doesn't have to, because he's God. And 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 sometimes we're asking God some of the kind of the questions that Gideon, and it's like God isn't even responding to our why is all this happening to me? Because he doesn't have to, because he's God. He just gives you a command. Go in the strength that you have. Because fulfilling your calling requires active participation. In something that God is initiating that He wants you to be a part of. Then something that God is initiating through you on the earth. God says, God, God says to Gideon, Am I not sending you? God, Gideon, understand, I'm doing something here, and I want to use you to do it. So just go forward in the strength that you already have. Because, because our calling is not passive it's active look what Gideon says Gideon responds to this Gideon says pardon me Lord again with the politeness Uh, how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my family. Again, with the cop-outs. God, how can I do this? Well, my, my clan is the weakest and my family's the least and God, I don't have the resources and God, I don't have the ability and God, I don't have the knowledge, God. And God's like, I'm not even listening to you. Look what he says, verse 16. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. You know something I've learned about God? When God decides to do something in the world, when God decides to do something in a community, when God decides to do something in a church, He oftentimes picks the unlikeliest people to do it through. The most unlikely person seems to be the one God chooses. To move through, and and the New Testament corroborates this because Paul tells us that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He chooses the weak things in the world to confound the mighty. He chooses those who don't have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything they've got to go do something that changes the world. There's a quote, another quote from Mother Teresa. Everybody know who Mother Teresa was, right? I think she's Saint Teresa now. I'm not sure. I'm not up on my Catholic sainthood. But um, Mother Teresa said this, and this is awesome. This is so, so brilliant. Look what she says on the screen. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. You might not be able. Well, I would if I could. I would do something great for God if I could, but you can't. So if you can't do great things, do small things with great love, which leads us to point number two of of, of our calling misconceptions. Your calling is not future. It's present. Your calling is not future. It's present. Let me break this down. God tells Gideon to go in the strength that you have right now. God does not tell Gideon, Gideon, go once you've built up enough strength to defeat the Midianite army. God doesn't say, Gideon, go in a couple of weeks once you have trained some soldiers in hand-to-hand combat. No, no, he doesn't say, Gideon, I want you to go once you've spent four years acquiring the, the, the military knowledge of how to lead a campaign and a battle. No, God says, Gideon, I want you to go in the strength that you have. See, a lot of times when we think about what God wants us to do, we put it in the category of one day. God, God, I'm going I'm to do that one day. I'm going to get around to that one day. But the world isn't changed by what you do one day. Because, because what happens is if you say, well, I'll do that one day, what you're saying is I'll do that when the situation is better. When my circumstances are more ideal. I'm, I'm waiting on perfect timing. I'll, I'll start giving to the church once I make more money. No, you won't. Because once you start making more money, you're going to get a bigger house with a bigger mortgage and you're going to go get a new car with a bigger payment and you're going to go on more vacations. And, and, and you're not going if, if you put it off to one day, you're never going to do it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, once we get a bigger house, we'll have more peace in our family because we'll have more room to spread around. I've been in a lot of big houses that had a lot of square footage and a whole lot more dysfunction. It's not, it's not about one day. I, well, I'll, you know, Pastor Brian, I really liked what you said about serving and getting plugged in. I'll serve when I have more time. No, you won't, because when you have more time, you'll have more activities to take up the time that you just cleared up. And so you'll never do it one day if you don't start doing it today, because it's not what you would, it's what you can What can you do? Why don't don't you give God the little bit that you have right now, put it in his hands, and watch him multiply it? But here's what I know about math. Even God, because God created the rules of math. God can't multiply nothing and get something. Because multiplying times zero always equals zero. So if, if if we don't give God anything to work with, if we give him nothing, he can still multiply it, and we'll just be left with nothing. We actually have to, to, to take that step. What, what happens is we defer we defer until one day and we miss the present tense nature of what God wants to do today in our lives. You see, Satan will not, well, most of the time, most of the time the devil doesn't come to you and try to get you to just, well, you know, don't do that at all. Like, like just, he, he rarely tries to get us to give up on our calling until he's kind of beating us down emotionally and spiritually. Most of the time, his attack comes like this. Well, why don't you just wait to do that? Why don't you just wait? Let's, it's, it's not the right time. Just wait until the circumstances are better. I know what that's like because I have this thing in my personality that if I can't do it all then I don't want to do it at all. <laughs> like if I can't go to the gym and spend 90 minutes getting completely drenched and sweaty and doing every exercise and cardio thing that I know how to do, well, I don't want to go at all. If I can't do it all, I don't want to do it at all. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work on that on that, on that that paradigm. God doesn't work in all or nothing. God works from strength to strength. There's this passage of scripture in Psalm chapter 84 that goes like this. Uh, the, the psalmist says this in verse five it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose, whose um, strength is in you, whose, who understands that they're not deferring until one day because they're in process right now. Their hearts are set on pilgrimage. They understand they're always on the journey, and I wish I could preach verse six to you because it's so good. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You see, there's something about people who understand that I'm continually in process, and I can step into the present tense nature of the call of God in my life. The valley of Baca, Baca is a word that means weeping and 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 suffering and sacrifice. So there's something about the people who can step into what God's calling them to do right now. When they enter into the valley of suffering, when they enter into a season of weeping, look what Psalm says. It says they make it a place of springs. There's something about people who step into what God's doing in their life right now that changes the atmosphere around them. And and what was a dry place becomes a place full of springs. Anyway, let's move on. I'm getting caught up there. Um, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go, look what he said, look, or whoever, he, she, I don't know who wrote this. They go from strength To strength, till each appears before God in Zion. They go from strength to strength. God told Gideon, go in the strength you have. Do it on the budget that you have. Make it work with the wife that you have. Invite the people in your neighborhood to the house that you have. Raise the kids that you have. Exercise the body that you have. Work the job that you have. Go in the strength that you have. And here's what God says. Here's here's what God says. Here's what I'll do. I'll take the strength you have. I'll take your weakness. I'll take your frailty. And I will amaze people with the radiance of my glory. Because I will do what you can't do if you'll do what you can do. So what God says because he says I'll take you from strength to strength there's a story real quickly there's a story about this guy uh, who went to Vietnam uh, because, because there, were, um, th- there was a malnutrition crisis in Vietnam and um, just trying to remember the story. Uh, he, he shows up at the, air, at the airport, and they didn't want him there. They're like, dude, you need to leave right now. We'll give you six months. If it doesn't work in six months, get out of our country. And so uh, he, he shows up, and um, he shows up at the airport, and he, and he gets his team together, and he does not start with the problem. This is, this is so interesting. He, he doesn't start because there are all kinds of problems. You know, there was illiteracy, there was poverty, there was, there was all these problems, but he didn't start there. He sent his team out and he said, listen, I want you to find villages, families, I want you to find people that are, that, that are making it work. But let's find people who, whose families are not malnourished and let's see what they're doing. And, and they called it looking for bright spots. And they found bright spots. They found these families whose children were not malnourished in a country that was suffering from this crisis of malnourishment. And, and they discovered these families were doing a couple of things. One, uh, the parents were feeding the kids the same amount of rice, but they were breaking it up into four meals instead of two. And they discovered that two big meals for these kids, they didn't eat them all because they would fill up on the big meal, they still had food left over. But with the four meals a day, they were able to process the food better. And then they also discovered the parents made them eat whether they were hungry or not. Because those big meals filled them up and they weren't really ready for anything. And then they would get hungry again in another big meal and they would fill up faster. And so discovered that their parents made them eat whether they wanted to or not. Discovered that the the parents whose kids were not malnourished would go into the waterways and grab little uh, crab and and little, um, I think, little shrimp and just stuff like green leaves from sweet potatoes and stuff. All of the stuff that everybody else felt too good to eat because it was a low class food. Um, they would go and they would take these and they would put them in the rice and they would mix them together and then serve them to their kids. And so what he did is he took these ideas, these bright spots, and he, and he started conducting seminars all over the countryside, teaching moms and families and dads how to, how to work what they had. Can you imagine if we, if we applied that to our lives? Because what he said, what he said was this. He said, he said when you're facing an impossibility you can do one of two things. One, you can make a list of everything that's wrong. And he called this list, I thought this was brilliant. He called this list, the author did. He called this list, he said this is true but useless. It's true but absolutely useless. Or he said you can make that list and you can try to figure out all those problems or you can find where it's working and work it. You find where it's working and then Work it. What if we did the same thing? Isn't that what? Isn't that what it means to go from strength to strength? Find where it's working and then work it. Which is why you don't come to church and hear messages that say, you're such a sinner and you suck and you're going to suck more tomorrow and you're unholy and you're unrighteous because you know what? That's true, but useless, useless unless you pair it with there's the image of God inside of you. And God can do more through you than you can ever imagine. So let's find where it's working in your life. Well, you know, I, I, I can't beat this habit. Yeah, but you beat that one. Let's focus on that. What worked? How did you make it work? What did you What did you do there? How did you follow Him there? How did you take the step there? Let's go from strength to strength, and let the fullness of Christ inside of you work its way out. Let's build on the strength that you have. God tells Gideon to go in the strength that you have. See, most of us stop. Most of us stop at at well I would if I could, but I can't. And we stop there. I would if I could, but I can't. I would if I could, but I can't. A follower of Jesus doesn't say I would if I could, but I can't. You know what a follower of Jesus says? A follower of Jesus does this. Says says this. Says I would if I could But I can't, so instead I will. You see what you see the difference. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. A follower of Jesus says, "No, I would if I could. I would do that if I could do that, but I can't. So instead, I will do this. Um, I would, I would study the Bible for two hours a day if I could. Probably wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Would." binge on Netflix. But anyway, um, I would, if I could, I would, I would study the Bible for two hours a day if I could, but I can't. And so many of us don't. And we stop. A mature follower of Jesus says, well, I would study the Bible for two hours a day if I could, but I can't. So I will give him five minutes. I will give him my drive time. You got drive time? Give him drive time. You got you got 5 minutes in the morning while you're drinking your coffee give him the 5 minutes you have in the morning drinking your coffee well I would pray with my family if I could but I don't know how so I won't well why don't you just open up the open up your phone download the Bible app read the verse of the day say it and then say amen like just let that you don't have to be original with it what can you do? I would if I could. Well, you can't. I would if I could if I were younger. Well, you're not. I would if I could if I had, if I wasn't broke. Well, you're not. You are, you are, you are wrinkled and sagging and broke. But there's something, there's something about the person who will say, God, here I am. My wrinkled up, saggy, broke self. God, if you can use me, here I am. Send me. I will go in the strength that I have. And here's what God will do God will take the strength that you have and turn it into the strength that you want. Because He'll take you from strength to strength. Because it's, it's, it's a present tense thing. It's not often the future. It's right here, right now, down in the wine press while you're hiding from your enemies, Gideon. I want you to go in the strength. That you have. Go in the strength that you have. You're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too broke, you're not too shy, you're not too whatever. Go in the strength that you have. Which leads us to the last thing, last one right here, and I'm going to be finished. It's real short. Number three, your calling is not a place, it's a person. Your calling is not a destination, it's a person. Your calling is not heaven, it's Jesus. Our destination is not somewhere off far in the sky, you know, a lot of times we think about, we think about finishing the journey of life and we're going to get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, what we're going to realize is it's not about streets of gold and pearly gates and mansions on clouds floating around. It's about Jesus in the presence of Jesus, seeing the eyes of Jesus, hearing the voice of Jesus. And we're going to discover at the end of our life that it's not about how much wealth we acquired. It's not about how many feats we achieved. And it's not about about how much fame we, we received. It's simply, only, and always about Jesus because our calling is not a person or not a place, it's a person. God, God says, Gideon, go in the strength you have. I will be with you. I'll be with you. And, and I just want to talk real quickly, and we're, we're about to we're about to wrap up. We've gone about four minutes over. We're gonna wrap up and pray, and then this series is gonna be closed down. Those of you who call vertical church home, like this is your, whether you're an owner, a regular attender, or you've checked us out for four or five times and you're like, this is where I want to land. I want to ask you a few questions about this idea that our calling is not a place but a person. Does our church draw people to him? Is this the kind of church that make do we make people want to know him? You can ask your. You can ask that of your own self. Are you the kind of person that makes other people want to know Jesus? Because our calling is not a place. It's not a destination. It's a person living on the inside of us. When you get a. When you walk into the room, like the song said about you know when Jesus walks into the room, all this miraculous stuff starts happening. But but Colossians said that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus, and the fullness of Jesus is in me. So when I walk into a room. Do, do, Do people go, whoa, whoa, what just happened? There's someone, something in here that makes me want to know God. (laughs) Those of you who are parents, do your children see Christ in you? Working in you, you taking the step, walking the the walk, going on the process, taking the journey. Do they see Christ working in you? Is our focus on being more and more like him or is our focus chasing the same elusive goals that people in the world are constantly going after? What's your focus? What's your calling? Because your calling as a follower of Jesus is not a place or a person or a, de- or a place or a, a thing, a destination. It's a person. His name's Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're calling each and every one of us to a greater depth and and, and relationship with you, God. This is the way we can truly live 2017 like a boss. This is the way this year can become our best year ever is by stepping into our calling, who is a person and not a place. Stepping into the fullness of Christ living on the inside of us. This morning, I just want to challenge you real quickly. If, if this resonates with you, and I'm not, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ, okay? I'm not about like checking boxes and figuring out and, and, and if this person's saved and this person's not and then they did this. Okay, that's not what this is about right now. We do that. We'll ask you to like, let us know if you accepted Jesus and, and that's cool and all that. But right now, I just want you to take your next step. For some of us, our next step is the, is the resolve to say, okay, I'll do what I can. I'll go in the strength that I have. For some of you the strength that you have is like we said the examples were, you know, it's 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 given 5 minutes. It's it's read a Bible verse with your kids. It's 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 saying saying a, a minute prayer. It's your drive time. It's 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 something and you're like, "Well, that sounds like compromise." No, that just sounds like starting somewhere. It's just about starting. What can you do? Cuz it's not about what you would, it's about what you so for, for right now, I'm asking that you would just ask and invite the Holy Spirit of God to reveal to you, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Do I have a Sunday every six weeks? Do I have a Sunday every four weeks that I can serve? What can I do? I can't give 15, 20 percent of my income, but I can give five. I can, I can do that. I can't can't go around the world and tell people about Jesus, but I can invite my neighbor to church next week. What can you do? For those of you who don't know Jesus at all, here's the strength that you have. The strength that you have is what God is doing in you right now. It's his grace coming to you, giving you the strength to respond to him. So open up your life, man. Open up your life and say, Jesus, here I am. If you can love me, then love me. If you can accept me, then accept me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new today. Cleanse me and make me a new creation. You pray that prayer. Pray it in your own words, man. The words that you say aren't the the, the thing that seals the deal. Jesus seals the deal through the Holy Spirit in your life. So just respond to him. Yes, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I accept you as my Savior. I want to live my life for you. I want to start that process, that journey. walking with you today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. We're excited to see what you're going to do the rest of the year because we believe that even if we don't do great things, we can do small things with great love. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit VerticalChurch.tv